Hello, and thanks for joining us for another episode of The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America, where each episode we bring you a fresh and insightful interview featuring one of the film industry's top directors, conducted by one of their peers. You can subscribe to our podcast on Google Play Music, iTunes, Stitcher, or on our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com slash the director's cut. And if you're enjoying the director's cut, please take a moment to like, share, or comment. We love hearing your feedback. This episode takes us behind the scenes of director Michael Apted's new film, Unlocked. The film follows CIA agent Alice Racine, who is forced to live in London as a caseworker after failing to apprehend the terrorist behind an attack in Paris that claimed dozens of lives. When she is unexpectedly called back into action by a mentor, she discovers an even greater threat in the form of a lethal biological attack. In addition to Unlocked, Mr. Apted's filmography includes Gorillas in the Mist, The World is Not Enough, Gorky Park, and The Chronicles of Narnia, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. He also directed seven of the eight films in the internationally acclaimed, multi-award-winning documentary series, Up. He earned a DGA Award nomination for Outstanding Directorial Achievement in Feature Film for his 1980 feature, Coal Miner's Daughter, and won the 2005 DGA Award for Outstanding Directorial Achievement in Dramatic Series for his episode, The Stolen Eagle, of the HBO series, Rome. Mr. Apted served as DGA President from 2003 to 2009 and is currently the Secretary-Treasurer of the Guild. Following a recent screening of the film at the DGA Theatre in Los Angeles, Mr. Apted sat down with director Martin Campbell to discuss the making of Unlocked. During their conversation, Mr. Apted talks about his desire to create a film with quickness and energy, how he was able to make Prague look like London, and how his documentary background influences his approach to narrative films. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, um, <coughs> Michael, welcome. Thank you. Terrific film. I, I uh, write up my street. Um, I love uh, I love thrillers. Um, as the British would say, definitely my cup of tea. Um, and. I guess there are echoes of Three Days of the Condor, some of my favorite films, Manchurian Candidates, another one that comes to mind, political thriller. Um, um, what else? Are the Bourne films, I expect. Yeah. But this is something very contemporary. You know, it's right um, very much of today, particularly when we're talking about terrorism in, um, in Paris and uh, certainly biological terror. Um, great subject and uh, uh, for me a terrific film and certainly something I think that you certainly different from probably what you've been doing recently yeah no, this is my part from the fact that we both did bonds and yours were excellent do we call those thrillers not really. well not really no no bond right. is bond I mean you know, yeah, some yeah. of it's thrilling but but it's yeah. not in this sort of very gritty realistic um, yeah, I, I think the, the tricky one with this was, you know, what it's about is horrifying, and you didn't really want to rub everybody's nose in it. So, you know, I, I kept back from going on about it. I mean, it was important that what we were dealing with was something that could happen at any moment at any time. 
but not to harp on it too much, if you know what I mean. Not not to uh, particularly just rub people's noses in it. Otherwise, it could be very, very off-putting. Well, it is interesting that, of course, biological warfare is the one thing in reality we have yet to see in terms of terrorism. I mean, it's there, obviously, and one day it's going to happen. And God help us when it does. So I think, um, you know, it was very pertinent to... Uh, I mean, you mentioned... Um, what was the... I, I borrowed... I was very impressed with the very first born identity. That yes, a terrific film. Yeah. What I got from that was, is what I did here. I like the fact that their violence is very quick all the time. Uh -huh. I find in a lot of these thriller films that the, the stunt stuff goes on and on and on. I mean, it does in Bond because that's what it's about. But in something that's supposed to be naturalistic and real, you know, I, I like action to be short and sharp. Well, you certainly did it with this. And... Uh, as you quite rightly pointed out, so often in these movies it goes on forever, the action, and there's not a drop of blood. No, in no. <laughs> Everybody would be dead by the time <laughs> they finish some of them. But uh, I just like the kind of immediacy and the violence and the speed of, of particularly the firstborn, but the firstborn yeah, one. Yeah, very much so. Um, the the script by Peter O'Brien, right? Uh, yeah. Now I understand that once topped the blacklist. Was it two thousand and eight? Something the, like the that. Yeah, it had been around. This was the first script he'd written, and it was on the blacklist. Which, for everybody's interest, that's a list of the best scripts that have never been done. Right. Um, yeah, this was on from two thousand and eight, apparently, and hanging around. So, uh, so, so, how did you become attached, and why did you become attached? Well, I suppose uh, as the it had a, d a director on it. I mean, they hadn't started or anything. Uh, someone I became quite friendly with. And I, I just did a, couple, a, a series called, um, what's it called, in Florida. And he did, did a lot of them. Blood. Was that Masters of Sex? Or no, was that, that wasn't in Florida. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> what was it? What's Bloodline? Bloodline, yeah. Okay. But anyway, basically, he was on it for some time, and he was never convinced there was enough money to make it. And he annoyed them all, and so he left. So that was that, or they pushed him out. And so I took it on and I read the script and I liked it because I think what it had, which is what I love in a thriller, is you know, unexpected things are unexpected. You don't sure. really see what's coming at you miles ahead. I mean, that's the problem with doing thrillers sometimes. The audience is miles ahead of you. And I found reading this that it was a bit of a page turner, you know, that it, it was, was looking at it, you know, and you didn't really know what was going to happen and whatever. And then startling things did happen. And at the end of the day, it all made some sort of sense. But that's what appealed to me with it, that it had a crispness to it and, and real kind of motion to it, you know, that you didn't quite know which way you were going. No, I think from the moment you realize she's been betrayed, which yes. is such a slap in the face to right, everybody right. and such a surprise that's where it really turns and yeah. you know takes off in another direction yeah. the the thing is it's a very complex story you know it's very complex uh nobody is who they seem to be right. um and god help if you go off to the restroom and come back <laughs> you've you, you've probably missed it but 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 the thing is that obviously um you know one of the things that you managed to pull off in a very complex story with many, many twists and turns is that it does make sense and you do understand it, but you really have to concentrate to understand it. Is that something you thought about yeah, very much when, yeah. you, you know, when you came to direct it and work on the script? Yeah, I, I wanted it to move along. I, I didn't want 
an audience to be hung out to dry too much. I just wanted to keep the the, the energy going. Sure. I didn't want to keep an audience in the dark longer than they had to be in the dark, as it were. So I was, I just wanted it to have a strong energy to it, you know, and 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 not to belabor it if you could. And if you missed a point, so you missed a point. But I didn't want it to drag around, you know. And it was it was quite a difficult film to cut. I uh, bet it was because. I mean, you know, you, you, sometimes we did versions which were so quick, you, you know, you were sort of, your eyeballs were rolling. <laughs> Other ones, you know, sometimes it was so slow, you thought, get on with it, get on with it. Yeah. So, you know, and we ran it for, you, ran it for, um, you know, for audiences quite a bit. I, we, the big problem we had with the film was we, 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 we did a very bad ending, not that's in the film. We did an ending which didn't work. Uh-huh. And we... We did it for a good reason. We what we wanted to have an original f- was an ending which kind of brought her humanity back because right. she, as a woman she'd been doing all sorts of things, and we wanted to get the kind of gentleness of the character back again. So we shot this end, and then we previewed the film, and people hated it. They didn't want that at all. They wanted her to go and finish them all Just off. Just kick some butt. Right. Kick, kick some butt, <laughs> yeah, basically. And it took a year for them to agree. <laughs> it was only two days filming, but oh. it took a year to get the money to do it. And I was absolutely adamant that the end that we had originally shot was ridiculous and um, would never work and would let the audience go out feeling cheated. Sure. But, you know, this ending, you know, was, as I said, as you, as I said it was kicking ass, and that's what they wanted, and... You know, she is very convincing. She can do a lot of the stuff herself. Sure. And so we had to see it through. But as I said, it really stopped the the motion of the film for, for a year. Good Why we were fighting for them to just give us a bit of money to do it. To actually replace it. L- let me talk about the cast. I mean, it's incredibly um, yeah. uh, high-stakes ca- cast. Yeah. I, I mean... Numi is obviously uh, um, terrific European. You've got Michael Douglas, uh, right? Yeah. Uh, you've got Orlando Bloom. You've got Tony Collette um, and uh, Malkovich, who I can yeah. watch until the cows come <laughs> home. He, this guy always, always, I find incredibly yeah. interesting to watch. Um, but the other person I thought was uh, a find was um, Tozen Cole. Was the yes, I thought good, he was yeah. really good, very, very charming, yeah. very convincing. Very good, yeah. I don't know where you got him from, but just, just um, y- you know, you got excellent performances out of everybody. It's a tight budget. I yeah. mean, how the hell did you get that cast? No, well, the cast. I mean, for example, um, one of the producers, Bonaventura, knew Michael Douglas, and he agreed to do it. Um, Naomi was already on it. Uh, I pursued Orlando because I'd seen a cop film he'd done in South Africa, which I thought he was really good and real in it. So I pursued a very it. different part for him. I must yeah, say, I he so. was surprising. In it. Yeah, yeah. And he surprised me when I saw that film. There was something about him, and he was very interested in doing it. And he gave me a hard time because he wanted to make sure you know, everything was right and all this. Uh-huh. You know, and having said to him, make the part your own, put your own personality into it. You know, if a scene doesn't work for you or lines don't work for you, let's talk about it. Sure. You know, so he can project his persona into it. So it was hard work with him, but he really got involved in it. It was He was very impressive and he worked really hard. I mean, what was the nightmare for us was when you get actors of this caliber, they're never there at the same time. I know, I know. That's I mean, the, for Numi, it was horrific. I mean, she'd do a week with so-and-so and then he'd go and then... Tony Collette would come in and she'd do a week and 
and then Orlando would come in and do two weeks and all this, and she never really ever got a shot at doing the whole, anything like the sequence of the film. And I don't think the five of them were ever together, ever. Yeah. So, you know, which is part of well, the Well, it has to be to your credit that, of course, you don't notice that. And yeah. It seemed to work, <laughs> it seemed to work <laughs> extremely well, even yeah, though uh, you had those problems. Yeah. You, know. um, you hadn't worked with any of these actors before, had you? No, no, I hadn't. So it was all completely, it was all completely fresh from that. Yeah, and, you know, I don't know how you feel, but when I meet Michael Douglas, I feel extremely nervous about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yes. Because, you know, these people are, you know, have been around the block. I know, they, yeah. I know, and it's, you think, how do you handle it? And all that sort of stuff, you know. Do will they want to hear anything from me? Or how do I approach them and all this? You know, it's... I know, it's always... A, I know, always it's always, a, you have to tread carefully. But on the <laughs> other hand, you have some idea of what you want. And sure. you have to, you know, deliver it. Well, that brings me to the next point, which is, I mean, you, you have a a great reputation with for directing actors. I mean, did you get any rehearsal time? I mean, probably not with what you just no, talked it, about, but, but we, before the shoot or during the shoot or weekends or well, how did you... Uh, like that, we really snatched times that we have. I mean, I had I had her for a week, you know, on uh, her own. Before? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we built some rehearsals into, into the stuff she did with Orlando. But, you know, really, I, I said hello to Michael and off we went on the thing. And so right. the same with John. But, uh, I mean, what was so comforting for me was they all got involved in it. I mean, some had small parts, some had big parts. But they never kind of patronized us. You know, however big a star they were, they did the work and they could see that I liked to rehearse if I had time to do it and liked to talk about it with the actors. And so they, you know, they picked up that kind of feeling about it that I was interested in the performances that I wanted them to do maybe things that they weren't quite used to doing I didn't just want to put everybody's vision of Michael Douglas on the screen again sure. so once they had sense that I had their interests at heart you know and I, I really wanted the best for all of us you know yeah. they, they played along with it Oh, that's great. And, and, and of course, the heart, the emotional core of the movie is her, is yeah. Alice, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, certainly she's living with this dark cloud of what happened in Paris. Sure. I mean, presumably from what you read in the original script, I imagine the updating of using Paris as the, as the target for really well, yes, we were what hung out was her drive. nightmare, basically, was all very contemporary. Yeah, I mean, um, I'd shot that scene before it happened in, in Paris, you know, before the one where they really, attacked yeah. the, the nightclub and a hundred people um, were murdered. So we had to then make some changes in, in the dialogue to say, you know, this happened, what happened in the movie happened before the, the 2015 stuff. So we were so far ahead of the game that we got caught out. Now, you... It was based in Prague, was it? The uh, well, we shot it in Prague, yes. Yeah. It was all based in, in, in London, and the yeah. very end was Prague, but it was too expensive to shoot in London. And Prague is very, very good. They've got a very good crew. Right. And they've got quite a lot of English-speaking people there to, to play small parts and whatever. And, you know, they'll give you a good deal. And I had this wonderful production designer who was very young, and he was, said, he, was he local? Was he a he Czech, Czech production yeah. designer? I knew I had to have a Czech designer. Okay. And yeah. his word of wisdom to me is that when you choose the English locations that I have to match to, don't go to places that everybody knows about. Sure. You know, I can't do that. But if you choose, and I'll help you choose them, choose the London locations, you know, then I can match them. Yeah. Well, I have to say that in looking at the film, 
the the proportion of what's yeah. shot in London and what you yeah. it doesn't give any. I mean, no. it feels very much a London-based film. I yeah, have we to shot say. thirty-six days in Prague and six days in London. But that's, I mean, considering yeah. the amount of locations you had to do, know, which yeah. seemed a hell of a lot. I don't know how many there were, but there was a lot, we're right? ducking and diving all over the place. Yeah. Um, with that kind of tight schedule, obviously with a tight budget, as all these um, Things independent are. movies all are. under budgeted, yeah. I mean, you must have been, how many locations, you must have been running no, all over the place. We were on location pretty much every day. We did a little bit of studio work in... Barendorf in in Prague, but uh, you know otherwise we were on locations or shooting interiors in in the Czech Republic that were supposed to be in London. Yeah, and that was really the skill of the production designer, you know, making sure that it looked authentic for for London. Well, it it, it certainly worked, I have to say. Um, now, uh, I just want to talk about your producers for a second. You you had <laughs> you had Lorenzo, who is a, a kind of you know he's a a stalwart. He's been around for years. Yeah, he's old yeah. school. He's made these huge studio right. pictures. Um, you know everything from the Matrix to uh, Transformers, to you name it. He's been around for years and very talented producer. Um, and then of course you had Georgina Townsley, who yeah. I think her reputation is as a producer of some award-winning documentaries, which right. I know would be sure. uh, appeal to your heart. But but how did? How did the combination work? Who was on set? Who was? I mean, how did it? Well, it it, it, it really was. I mean, the working producers were, were Georgina and Eric Eric Halson. I mean, Lorenzo came and visited a couple of times. Oh, I but see. He so. kept. But the the real difficulty was, you know, the whole business of it was German money. Oh, okay. And uh, the money was in and out, in and out, and all this kind of stuff. And when I got on the plane. To go to fly to Prague, I thought I had 20 million. When I sat down at the first meeting that afternoon, I suddenly had 15 and a half. So it was a bit like that. Three or four and a half million disappeared in the air. So there was always this discussion as who said what, how much were we going to have and all this, because the cost cost a lot of money. I'm sure they did. And a lot of the big chunk of the budget went on to them, which yeah. everybody thought was a good idea. But, um, you know... It was very difficult. I mean, I probably shot, spent seven million shooting the thing. That was the money available to me to to shoot the film. And and did Silver Reel finance this totally, well, or was it a combination? No, it was of a combination of three or four people on the front there. And that's always difficult because well, yeah. in all of this sort of independent world, what happens is that you, the three or four parties, and then one party may drop out, and yeah. then uh, also you get. Sort of several opinions about the film. It, it's, yeah. it's it's a um, it's a minefield now, isn't it? Yeah, in terms so it, of it, it's just a lack of a bit of a lack of wisdom about it. I mean, you, I'm sure we both have had rough times with American studios and all this, but you know, the margins are so slim in Europe whether you can make a profit or not. You know, sure. people are tap dancing all over the place. But presumably, with that cast, there were a lot of pre-sales. I mean. It well, yes, seems uh, to me a very good cast in terms yeah. of pre-selling the movie, That's which true. is, after all, what these independent movies rely on in terms yeah. of finance. But you know that hasn't worked too well for us here because you know Lionsgate are doing us, but they're doing us in a very odd way. You know. It's opening this weekend in 17 cinemas, and that's it. 17? 17, and the rest of it is online. iTunes, and it's all over iTunes this weekend. So oh we God, never got a full studio release for it. Oh, I see. So, because I suppose they felt the money ran out and they and whatever. Oh. 
God Almighty. Um, and, and just getting back to the producer question, because it's always uh, um, what, uh, the ideal producer. You know, it's, it's always interesting to me that, that when you started, and probably when I was way back, you know, a producer really meant something. In yeah. other words, you would have somebody who would work on the creative process, would back you up during filming, right. uh, would be there when there were um, financial problems. It doesn't seem to exist anymore. They, they don't no, seem uh, the role of producer. Uh, and now you look at any movie and everyone, their dog has become a producer. Yeah. Dogs you know are good at producers, yeah, right. Yeah. Mm? I said dogs are rather good at that, yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. Because they don't answer well, they back, probably, right? Probably, probably have better opinions than those. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but uh, the whole situation's changed. And, and yeah. talk about a lack of good producers. It's, it's and when you get someone who's really, you know, like Lorenzo, I mean, he's got so many movies going on. Yeah. Know, and his, his people, like Eric, I mean, they were here, they were there, they were everywhere. Sure. So it does leave a lot more responsibility to people like us. But that's pretty difficult if we're dealing with financiers who are speaking German all the time and, and whatever, because yeah. they're German and they're entitled to. Um, but, you know, <laughs> it, it, it just put, there's enough load on us to get it done anyway, because we're always under, you know, under schedule and all this. But sure. when you have to get involved in the kind of financing of it and all that, I mean, that's a I real see. mystery. And as you say, inevitably, of course, the finance, the finance means there's less finance than yeah. the promise. There's yeah. always, every day yeah. is, a, is a problem. Now, George Richmond, um, uh, uh, he was the DP on this. Yes. And he did a hell of a job, too. He did. I, I have to say that um, the, the kind of gritty texture, the kind yeah. of gunmetal, yeah. gave a very realistic, authentic yeah. feel to the movies. This, obviously, you discussed this with him. And I also imagine that your documentary background came into this yeah. play because... In all your work, I never feel there's a shot where I say, oh, that's a wonderful shot. It right. services the drama, it sure. services the action, and uh, you never have to comment and I, uh, you know, on the shot. The, the, yeah, the point is the drama's doing the it's work. It's a nice thing to say, because I, you know, I, I do that. People say, oh, you don't shoot stuff that well, but I mean, I shoot what I think right. I need to shoot. And yeah. because of my roots in documentary, I'm obsessed with the reality of stuff. You know, is this... What would it? What should it look like? What would it look like? You know, yeah. I like it to be authentic. But just my little story about George is the second movie I did in 1973 was the photograph by Tony Richmond, and there was this little brat of a son of him <laughs> running around the place. And I was doing this big rock and roll film in London with him. And then, lo and behold, here's George, the little brat, now doing this film. So he filmed this. Yes. Yeah, oh right. my God. So shows how long I've been going, doesn't that? Uh, well, well, he certainly did a great job. I, 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 I yes, and he's co he's collaborative and whatever, you know. Yeah. But he's also his own man. If he if he thinks it's a load of rubbish, he'll tell you. Yeah. You know, he's not easily intimidated. He's yeah. well, I've worked with him on commercials, and and he certainly does, he calls a spade a spade, yeah, which is absolutely, yeah. <laughs> which is um, um, but the look and style is seems perfectly a perfect marriage for the film, I have to say. Yeah, and with your yeah. documentary background, it all feels absolutely... That's why shooting on location, to me, if I can do it, you know, adds such a dimension. You know, You're absolutely yeah. If, if there's a location, rather than build it or put it, go, spend a lot of time on stages, I'd rather shoot you know, on a real location, because it puts... Yeah, well, and it's not just that, it's also the sound quality, yeah. the, 
uh, somehow right. the weight when a door closes, everything yeah. is so much more real than yeah. be, being on Do it. Do you like to shoot on location? Always, yeah. yeah. As much as, I mean, obviously on Bond, both of us know we had a lot of studio stuff to right. do there because it's heightened reality, basically, but I love to shoot on location. Yeah. I would do it sort of um, all the time. How do you, um, the way you plan your camera setups and so mm -hmm. forth, is this something, do you plan it beforehand? Do you block your actors and then subsequently, well, uh, as a result of that, then decide what to shoot? Is it a, is it a camera list, a shot list the night before? What well, is it, it depends what it is. It, it, I think it's fine, it varies with whatever the scene is. You know, if a scene is a very kind of emotional scene between actors and I've tried to rehearse it and all that sort of stuff and try in a way to stage it too, you know, to take a couple of days, not shooting days, but you know, off days to, to work with them. And yeah. then the way I shoot it really comes from the demands of the emotion of the scene. But sometimes when you have a really terrific location, and you know you want some scale or you want some shape or you want some beauty or some profound ugliness in it you know it, it's really what the, the location itself tells me how to shoot it sure so it's either what the demands of the actors are to deliver any emotion in it which determines how i shoot it and you know or it's what i've why i chose that location is therefore why i chose it is how we're going to shoot it sure you know, so, I mean, you know, you, you people, well, not really contemporaries, because he's much older than us, but someone like Ridley has got this astonishing eye where he can be anywhere. And, exactly. And things, but I don't have that. Uh, but so mine is all based in some other, in my world, reality, whether sure. it's real acti reality of the performances or the reality where I've chosen to do it. Yeah. Can I ask you what were the studio sets? I think I only recognize one which was possibly the, and I've probably got it wrong, which is the security um, thing at Heathrow Airport. Yes. I, that looked like a set, because I had exactly the well, same problem Prague on the Airport. film I've done. In fact, I couldn't find anywhere in London that would allow us to well, do well, it. I was in Prague, and they're much more loosey-goosey there, my friend. Yes, they are. And we shot, they closed down a whole wing of the airport for, yeah. me for one morning, and there I was, shooting at so the Prague Airport. So you managed to get the whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, very well. You're <laughs> lucky. <laughs> I couldn't. They kicked us out of every place in London. We couldn't. We finally had to do it in China, of all places. <laughs> you know, ridiculous. Anyway, there we are. So, um, so, so now, what about second unit? Did you have a second unit director, or do you like to shoot it no, I, yourself? I had a second unit. Our friend Gary. Ah, oh, Gary did that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Greg. I mean, yeah, Graham. Greg. Yeah. Um, you know, he did it um, because there was quite a lot of stuff in it, and you know, again, it's 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 especially when you're under pressure and you've got a lot to do in a little time, you sort of want to hand some of those big, you know, big action shots over to someone else. Sure. You know, and and they're very good at it, and they're better than I am at it. So you know, use it. It's as long as we're on the same page. Yeah, some directors don't. Uh, you know, there's. No, uh, I, I can uh, see that, but I I know what I can do and what I can't do, or you know, what will take an inordinate amount of time with me trying to figure it out when it's sort of instinctive. But m my main note to that all really is what something I said earlier on, that I wanted the action to be quick. Right. I wanted the action to be very speedy and never linger. So you wouldn't think that these people were going to kill themselves. So that determined a lot the way it was shot. Yeah. I would never let them go on a <coughs> lot with it. 
No, yeah. it did not. No. They were, they were very vicious. I'd rather have it short, short and vicious than long-winded and, mm. and whatever. So there was less sort of second unit because the, 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 the action scenes were pretty compact. And, and now was she... Um, did she do some of her own oh stuff? Yeah, she, looked, we, we had she to looked pretty her. fit to me. I mean, yeah, no, she's know. ridiculously fit. I mean, she, I mean, she's such a serious actress. I mean, she's in the gym every night. She's working on stuff, and you know, she, and, and we, she did get injured, so we had to stop for a bit with her. I mm -hmm. mean, not shooting, but stop her doing all her stunts. But no, she's very game to do them, and like with some other actors as well, you want to stop it because you really don't want to them to be damaged. No, <laughs> but um, no, she's very good at that and very believable in that. Yeah. It's one of the reasons that I really liked her in the role is you think she can look after herself. Yeah, there's always that problem. So often you see is that with women beating the hell out of special forces guys, everything yeah. else, you just don't believe a word of it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> but but. Um, but, but she was certainly convincing in this and yeah. she had obviously given her background everything else had been trained in this and yeah. knows what she's doing but I mean I particularly liked uh, when she's interrogating the, um, the, the boy to yeah. begin with and this is when she's double crossed and yeah. realizes indeed this is um, you know she's uh, um, working for that, that big twist early on, right, yeah. when she That's picks right. up the guns yeah. and takes them down That's the right. stairs and so forth. Not working for the CIA, good, uh, yeah. Sequence. Yeah. No, she's very good at that, and she's very interested in it. As sometimes, as you say, it does extend your belief. Sometimes, when you see, you know, someone acting a part and then <laughs> someone uh, doing the stunts, you yeah, know, it doesn't seem to gel. Well, you seem to have a hell of a lot to do on a very tight budget yeah. and a very short schedule. Is yeah. Presumably your television work yeah. helps yeah. enormously with this in yeah, terms that's, of... That's when, you know, that's what I came out of. And it was, that's why it was so bizarre to do a Bond film because it was like having a proper job. You, know, you, you, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you went in week after week after week to pine. God, yes, they were long schedules, weren't you they? I remember them. Seven, oh. You went home at six, you came back at seven, and all that sort of stuff. It I like know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you get a little spoiled on Bond, don't oh, you? Yes, I mean, in the sense that suddenly that such money is not the problem. The no, but there's such long shoots that you have to yeah. get a rhythm to yourself, which is strange. I know. You, 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 you keep spinning your wheels wanting to move, move, I used move. to hear that you used to be on the set at like at three in the morning, pounding the set. I was pounding the set, yeah. Well, you know, you sort of get conscientious about the money and about, you know, your schedule and everything else. And uh, uh, But... But I have to say that, uh, as both of us know, that was a, you know, that was a pretty enjoyable time. Those oh, movies. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> it doesn't really happen nowadays. However, <laughs> any crew members? Do you do you work with the same people? Do you like to change them? Do you I, I, vary them? I mean, for example, your cameraman, your editor, your. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've worked with a production designer. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've worked with a lot of people. I'd love to work with again, but you know, sometimes you have to fit in with everybody's, you know. Schedule, schedules, that's the difficult thing. Yeah, I've worked with tons of cameramen, and you know, it's, it's so difficult to, to fit it all, you know, to fit it in. And the yeah. same with I'd use this production designer, this Czech guy, anywhere I went, you know, again, he has to work, he can't wait for me, and you know, I'm not doing all that much work at the moment, so you know, but I, I built up quite a body of crew. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm sure you have <coughs> too, you know, people you really trust and, and whatever. Yeah, well, people you can work with, you tend to want to go back yeah. to because there's a shorthand there, obviously. 
Because um, I like to work quickly, and I, I know you do too. Yeah, I do work quickly. And, and you know, if people can't keep up, as it were, I mean, I mean, I have the inclination to be sloppy sometimes. So I need people to tell me to slow down, <laughs> as it were. <laughs> but on the other hand, I, I just love the energy when everybody's working and. You know, I'm pushing them and all sure. this kind of stuff. It just makes the job somehow more interesting and more exciting. Yeah, and uh, it sounds an odd question, but uh, do you work with your line producer? I work with mine an awful lot. No, I've never had that luxury, really. I mean, I've got someone who's worked with me for 15 years, but he, he's more of a super glorified assistant, really. But he gets producer credit and all this, and sure. we live together pretty much. You know, yeah. we have offices together, but. When it comes to each of the you know, each of the movies, then it tends to be different people. Sure. Well, uh, the the, <coughs> the uh, for me working with the lion producer often because the producer's absent or not there. Right. In terms of meeting the uh, schedule, which means the budget and so forth. The right. Every day's work. You know, you want an extra fifty extras here, but in right. order to do that, you're going to trade off somewhere else down the line. But in other words, uh, I, no, do I, I don't have that relationship, really. It's, mm -hmm. it's a pity. Do you use someone most of the time? Well, can. I try to get someone that I, I at least uh, agree should do the job yeah. and sort of meet them and talk to them. Because, and, and I mean, uh, both of us have done films that have been incredibly expensive and also yeah. they've been incredibly cheap. Yeah. You know, so it, it's hard to keep adjusting backwards and forwards. Yeah. You know? I mean, we can both do it. We both have to do it, but it's... A bit of brain surgery sometimes when you realize how little money you've got, or what am I going to do with all this money, you know? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? And how do you work with your editor? Did you sort of, does your editor give you an assembly and then you well, I, give it to he or she? Yes, um, the, the, And the, then you go in at a later, you know, once you look at the assembly, is it a series of notes and then you subsequently go back in again, or do you then go reel by reel? How do you? Yeah, I mean, uh, I try and look at stuff as we shoot it, and they, I get them to try and cut it, put it just to, together to see whether what I'm trying to get is working and whether he understands or she understands what I want. Mm -hmm. So I try and keep an eye on it. I mean, certainly if we're doing a five-day week, then on the sixth day, you know, I'll, I'll edit all day with it. Right. Because I, I don't want it to get out of hand. On the other hand, I don't want it to get so detailed that until you begin to put the movie together, do you really know, you know the weight of each scene, sure. as it were. But I do like to keep tabs on it a bit. I don't just walk away from the editor, say, have a nice day, and rejoin him six months, you know, no, no, obviously three weeks not. later. So I like to keep tabs on it, yeah. I can never bear watching an assembly. Oh, no, I cannot right. watch it. I simply... I I, I simply go in and start on real one. Yeah, I just right. can't do it. It just terrifies me know, as, as to how the... You, you do have to be very disciplined. And otherwise, you have a nervous <laughs> breakdown when you see the first edit of it. Yeah. I know, and it's probably what you asked for, and it looks terrible. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, I mean, the nice thing is you know it can only get better. Yeah, I mean, hopefully. hopefully. <laughs> right. You know, the... the um, uh, um, and do you shoot a lot of fo I mean, do you shoot a lot of footage, or do you just yes and no? I mean, um, I like to you know if if it's an emotional scene, I'm, I'm prepared to keep going with them to get stuff out mm -hmm. of it. I won't shoot enormous amounts on big action scenes. I'll get lots of coverage if I want it. If you know, if I know I've got to sustain the energy of the scene and keep the scene mo moving, then I'll need a, a lot of coverage. Right. But I don't necessarily do a lot of takes. I, I think when I have it, I have it. Right. Um, and if I don't have it, I just go on until I do get it, unless it's going to be impossible. 
Um, but no, I, I, I tend not to shoot lots of takes automatically. Only in crisis do I. Yeah. And do you, do, do, um, do you go over the material again? I, I, you know, on set, when you're shooting and obviously at the pace you're shooting, um, and then you nominate certain takes because this is what... Right. But then yeah, when you I go back on the current, do you then go back over all the material? Most of it, yeah. yeah so do I. I do you know, because you do have a, quite a bit of downtime you know, when yeah. you're editing while they are doing all the changes. So I do like to go back and look at stuff and, you know, remember, I, I thought there was something better here that, you know... Sure. I, it's I always a line, maybe, yeah, or I think a delivery so. I mean, that is slightly better. I think or it's always worthwhile just going back into stuff. And nowadays, you know, you can do it in bed practically. I mean, it's yeah. so mobile, the whole thing. But I, I don't think, I mean, there comes a point where you just get fed up with it. I never want to see any of this ever again. You know, when you've, <laughs> you've just had it. But I think until you get to that place, it's good to just keep working on it. You know? yeah. Now, what's, what's your? Uh, do you get terrified at previews? Do you oh s do you God. sit there sweating yeah. or screaming? And terrified of this, let alone previews. Oh, <laughs> and this is a home game for me. Well, I'm, I'm sure they all enjoyed it, but, yeah. uh, but do, do you get uh, there's nothing nothing worse. <laughs> there is nothing worse than yeah. than than sitting in a preview oh, and being judged. Horrible. And they pull out those cards and. Yeah. I remember one where I, a preview I had of the film, and it was really pretty good reaction. Then I read this card; it just said, "It sucks." <laughs> right. So, so I mean, some of the stuff you, when get you have when the, <laughs> the second half of the thing is when they sit two rows of people. Oh yes! Oh my and God! They almost will them to criticize the film. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure there was yes. nothing wrong with that? No, I think leave it alone. Yes. Price it, you know, it's all been written down. Yeah. And the studios will look at it all the next day. And the studios will look at it all the next day, and it's like they wind these people up to be critical. Well, also, you know, you always get the experts, of course, standing oh up and saying, "I thought the music was shit," or yes. whatever, and it turns out it was all temporary music. I mean, I know. <laughs> <laughs> we have to be grown up about it because it's I very, know. very important that people have to see it who are not our friends and neighbours and all that sort of, course, of stuff. Yeah. But it is. Painful. It never gets easy, does it? No, it doesn't. I, of course, they've been doing previews since what, 1930 or whatever. Yeah, since yeah. it's always better men than Dasso had to sit through previews. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, and before taking on any project now, do you ever ask yourself the question, um, "Who is going to see my movie?" Yeah. Do you? I do as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I never used to, but <laughs> I have to say it, now it, you have to sort of it's ask a, it's, that question. It's a worry because you know. Uh, I don't have much connection with what we'll call the Marvel world, you know, right. that sort of stuff. I mean, I'm never going to be asked to do one, and you know, I wouldn't know how to handle it. So, and that's a huge piece of the of the of, of the industry in a sense. You know, those very expensive, big tentpole productions. You know, well, it doesn't seem to be anything in between. There's either the, no, the kind no. of what you're, the, um, but you've done more than I have unlocked, and, and I, I did Green Lantern. That was a flop, right? <laughs> And and you take some heat for that. You get your yeah, ass you kicked basically when I that know. happens, and you go director's jail and so on and That's so right. forth. But you know you, you take that risk. But the films in between, whereas I think fifteen years ago, when you were at the studio, um, there, there was uh, say Vertical Limit, which I did for seventy five grand, uh, right. seventy five million, whatever it may be. There were those intermediate, yes. as you well, know. Um, I mean, enough, I think, was uh, a movie uh, you did. Was that yes. a studio movie again? Yeah. That was, yeah. you know, at least there was. Uh, there, there were those in-between movies. Now there seems to be this huge yawning gap between the, well, I mean, the, the Marvel gap movies. Now and is, I mean, it's all the 
the smaller budget pictures that we used to yearn for, you yeah. know, now are on television. I mean, you know, I, I came to America in the 80s because I loved American movies and yeah. wanted to do them. And then, you know, things happened which changed the whole industry. Star Wars opened, Jaws opened, sure. and suddenly movies became about the weekend and studios started being run by businessmen and accountants and stuff sure. like that. And over that next two decades, the whole business sort of changed around and the films that I came to do were no longer being done. Sure. But now at least uh, there's a kind of golden age in television, you know, when there is intelligent, adult, well-acted, well-written stuff being done and people seem to be watching it. So, you know, while we can't compete in the teenage market, you know, sure. you know, there is that outlet for people like us who prefer to work in a sort of more modest way. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, what do you think about, uh, what's your take on the declining box office at the moment? You know, sound 12 or 15%. Is yeah, it so because the films are bad or is it because of the new all the viewing platforms that we have is it well that's you know we're yeah. living through that now i mean as a sequel fatigue maybe yeah well but this film has gone pretty much on the whole straight on to you know in in, in into the you know in, into um whatever but, but you said this it's only opening in what 17 screens yeah, here no, it's, an, it's all over itunes and things like that already yeah. you know and it's it hasn't really opened so that's another step, and there's a lot of films like that. And uh, it's also a, a way of doing it, you know, that Netflix will buy a film, give it a week, and then put it out there. And if it starts getting good reviews and things like that, they'll bring it back for the Academy. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's a kind of, you, you know, it's bad enough being tested at every corner, but now, you know, they test you on, you know, on, on television or whatever. Yeah. But, um, you know, I suppose films are so expensive and everything. And But it is worrying this, this, this yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, well, a 12 to 15% drop this yeah, year, huge, which, is, yeah. um, which is alarming. It's, it's not actually. over yet, but it's, you know. But our boy Nolan did well, didn't he? Who? With Nolan with Dunkirk, he did oh, well. Oh, God, yes, he yes. did. Yeah. He seems to have a magic touch, doesn't he? Well, he does, you know, and... Uh, well, he's a terrific filmmaker, yeah. and, and uh, I, I, I think he did a fantastic job on the movie, but you could never have put that film on Netflix. <laughs> 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 just, I mean, it, it, it simply desperately needs the big screen to yeah. actually... Uh, I remember him saying, I only wanted to make this film when I had the power to make it as I wanted it. Yeah. You know, when he did the other films, I mean, you know, he wasn't his own boss all the time, but now he's been so successful that yeah. now he can, if they're for a certain budget, you know, he can call the tune. Absolutely. And, and, and the fact that it was a big success, basically, yeah. is, is, you know, yeah. albeit a historical, you know, a Second World War story yeah. and Dunkirk, which most Americans probably yeah, no, it's have never heard of. So yeah, to actually exactly. pull that off, I think, yeah. was pretty a big yeah. achievement, wasn't it? Yeah. Which is great. So what's next? Anything? Anything? I don't know. I, the only job I know I've got next is uh, next year I'll do 63 up. That's oh. <laughs> so. It's a marvelous series. Yeah. We all know that from so the, at se least I, the uh, 7 Up series is yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Well, it's been a wonderful piece of good fortune for me and it's given me a job every seven years. So <laughs> <laughs> which is more than probably you can say. So I've got a job coming on in, in uh, uh, 2019 I have to get it ready for. Well, Michael, thank you very much Pleasure. indeed. I love the film. Thank and you. Uh, thanks very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. Don't forget, 
You can check out past episodes of The Director's Cut wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll have a lot more for you in the coming months as awards season approaches, so stay tuned. Also, be sure to subscribe to our podcast to stay up to date on the great discussions we have coming up. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please like, share, and leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks again for listening, and have a great week. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally.